Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, before you tap into this latest Lakers Legacy podcast episode, we would please like to ask for your guys' support. All you have to do is subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating and review. That goes a long way in maintaining the consistency and quality of this podcast moving forward. And also, it just lets us know that you're listening, and we love to know that you're listening. So thanks for your support, and yeah, go hit that five-star rating and review button. And now, on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, can you bereaves it? The Lakers have finally done it. They finally won two games in a row, something they haven't done since January 7th. And they did it with not a moment to spare because the season is literally over. But hey, two-game win streak. That's what you get when you play all the young guns and reaves it out all on the floor. Austin Reeves, the book of reeves elation. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, is Austin 316 the GOAT, number one? And then number two, what a wild, absolutely Lakers way of closing out the season with not only an insane game with some career-high performances, but also an ill-timed, drama-filled tweet about Vogel's firing, which today we have learned has been confirmed. Your quick thoughts on just the melee that was yesterday, a mixture, mixed bag of emotions. Yeah. So, I mean, the game was very amusing. I, I didn't watch most of it, but, you know, in the last minute or so, I I turned it on just to see what was going on and it seemed like it was over. And then all of a sudden, Austin Reeves and the Young Guns led this like unlikely comeback um hit some clutch shots i mean reeves was amazing yeah we'll get into him and we'll get into him and the way that he's developed has just been incredible um i think i had like slightly a different take than most people on the whole vogel situation because i just like and this is like maybe a problem that i just have with media in general but the media is like the first to jump on their high horse about like, oh my God, can you believe the disrespect uh, towards this championship coach? And I'm like, okay, but you guys leaked it. You know, I know like Bill Orem and um, Harrison Fagan, you know, local Lakers beat writers or, you know, people on the athlete. It was one specific person. It was Woj, right? Who, who leaked that this was happening. But I guess my point is like, 
why do we take that as like a sign that like Rob Polinka sent a to sent a text to Woj the moment the game was over and said, "Hey, you should tweet this right now." Yeah. Like, why don't we just take that as a sign of whether or not Vogel was being fired today? The media was going to tweet about Vogel being fired soon, regardless. It's blind speculation sometimes, you know what I mean? So I get like a little bit annoyed when these guys who are so like desperate to find an angle to, I mean, there's enough stuff that is just, you don't have to do a bunch of digging to kind of get into how messed up this organization is right now. Exactly. You don't need to try to find new angles, uh, <laughs> like with this with this Vogel thing. Like, oh my God, they left this coach flapping in the wind for 12 hours. Like, ev- you guys were report these same guys who are saying this now were reporting that Vogel was going to get fired three months ago. Like, it was, if anything, you could, if you want to take a glass half full view of this, you could have made a really strong argument that Vogel should have been fired midseason. But actually, instead of, dumping the blame on him at that point they were like well this guy's under contract he's a championship coach let's see if he can figure out a way to turn it around let's give him the rest of the like they gave him that benefit of the doubt they didn't fire him 10 games into the season when it seemed clear that this probably wasn't going to work you know what i mean so it, it, it i guess my reaction to that was when Woj made the tweet it was like you know lakers are expected and i was like great so nothing different than what we've been hearing for the last 3 months um just awkward it timing. was just it, yeah just awkward timing but i i don't know how that that in and of itself is an indictment on the lakers front office because we've been everybody has been talking about this for months so now the season is over so somebody puts some more definitiveness on it you know what i mean and it's just like a a crazy uh, a crazy thing to attack, in my opinion. But yeah, look, it's like Vogel, and now uh, obviously, as, as of the time we record this, it's been made official. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think any blame should be placed on the front office unless you want to go as far as to nitpick that Rob Palenka should have told whoever leaked the information that if you leak this to Woj or any of the other reporters, make sure that they don't leak this a minute before or a second before the the last regular season game ends, okay? But that you can't be... Who's going to be that specific, right? So it's just at, at this point, it's like what's done is done. I think we can all agree, though, that watching Frank Vogel hear that news, if he if he legitimately didn't hear it already, at least concretely, like him hearing that on air and have to answer that question was very cringy and I feel bad for him and I empathize with that being in that very awkward situation and then at the same time also having Reeves and Monk's brilliant performances be overshadowed by this news was also kind of like well you know we can't have anything nice this season apparently because these guys are going to be asked this question about their coach and instead of talking about their brilliant performance they're going to have to defend their coach and just like try and wiggle their way out of such an unpleasant in-the-moment situation that should have been technically pretty fun, you know? Yeah. And again, I still fall back on, like, who is asking these questions, right? It's the same people who are getting on their high horse being like, can you believe the Lakers (laughs) did this? It's like, it was not Rob Palenka on the other side of those questions asking Malik Monk and Austin Reeves what, what they thought about the ESPN article. You know, I mean, anybody could have tweeted... Oh, you know, rumors are that Lakers will let, you know, Mark Stein, ESPN, whoever could have tweeted, rumors are they'll let him go. Ramona could have tweeted, rumors are they're going to let him go. 
it would have been a question. The media made the choice to make it a talking point. Like, it, it, I don't know. I, I yeah. just, I think it's 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 all kind of silly. I feel you. Well, I think we both agree that this was a long time coming, at least in the span of this season. Even before this season, people had had complaints about the way Vogel took too long to adapt or pivot and stuff about his rotations and some of the players that he clung on to and acted sort of contradictory towards other players and how things didn't seem to line up. Um, I guess that's human nature, just natural preferences for certain people, regardless of what the evidence shows you statistics-wise or even just eyeball-wise, eye test-wise out on the court. But, you know, I empathize with the position Vogel's in. I think even from the start, he wasn't really set up to succeed by this front office, and especially not this season. Uh, There's a lot of blame, a lot of which, you know, goes to the front office, as we've mentioned multiple times. But I think at the end of the day, my whole take is Frank Vogel didn't do himself any favors, and he shot himself in the foot a lot of times, whether it was starting DeAndre Jordan for 20 games or even keeping him in the rotation for that long and then, you know, DNPing DeAndre and then 15 games later bringing DeAndre back in all of a sudden inexplicably, not playing Dwight enough. We, we don't have to go through all the litany of stuff, but I think it made sense. Again, I think it sucks the way that the front office never really gave him, it seems like, full security or control over everything, but I guess that's just the Lakers' way of doing things. Um, but... We'll get into our preferences for coaches in a, in a separate episode, but just like off the bat, I, I guess some of the top candidates, you know, they've been talking about Nick Nurse. Of course, I'd love to have Nick Nurse, but barring Nick Nurse, I think for me right now, early, my early list of top candidates would probably be like Quinn Snyder, Kenny Atkinson. I don't want Doc Rivers for a lot of reasons. And who else? I, I know they're talking to Jawan Howard too, but I think Quinn Snyder, maybe Kenny Atkinson would be at the top. And I do like the idea of bringing Rondo in in some sort of capacity, even if it's just like whatever Jared Dudley's role is on the Dallas Mavericks, if we can start to groom Rajon Rondo to be part of our coaching staff, I think that would be great. And I don't think, I think we can sell it to whoever's coming in as the head coach and and not sort of shackle them the way that we shackled Vogel with Kid, because I'm sure a lot of coaches would love to have Rondo. But since it's Rondo's first time, I don't think he'd even have that high of an elevated role to it for it to be a real problem for whoever the new head coach is. But yeah, your last thoughts on Vogel and who you would like to see come in in these early stages, I guess. Yeah. So I think, you know, Vogel deserves plenty of credit for the stuff that he did for this organization. He's the, literally the best coach this team has had in the last decade, which mm-hmm. is crazy in the post Phil Jackson era. Um, he, doesn't deserve he's probably not even in the top three in terms of like you know if you're if you're trying to carve out like a blame pie for this season he's probably doesn't even have like you know the top three biggest share or whatever but he also to your point did not do himself any favors i think this made the most sense for all parties involved it is time to move on and and clearly the front office has like a different view of how the team should operate, which is amusing. Um, but you know, considering Vogel won a championship with a roster two years ago, but for, you know, the team that it seems like we're trying to build moving forward, it doesn't really feel like Vogel makes sense and whatever, let him go find another. I'm sure he'll find another team. I'm sure he'll do great in his new situation. And there's going to be a lot of high profile openings. It's not going to be the case that he's going to be relegated to the bottom feeders of the league. He will, he will land somewhere. I'm confident. Um, in terms of looking forward to potential, uh, 
future options. I mean, for me, it's like Nick Nurse. It it doesn't really feel worth talking about almost because it feels so unrealistic. I mean, that would obviously be ideal. Nick Nurse won the championship as a first year coach with Kawhi, and yeah, you, he had Kawhi right, but and he had good depth on that team. He had Kyle Lowry, obviously Norman Powell. He, he, it was it was a very good team, um, but to win as a first year head coach to follow that up with again doing very well the uh, second year. Last year, they had a down year, and then right back in, you know, the Hunt as, like, a legitimately good team this year. I mean, that team, when you look at the roster, especially looking at the roster coming into the season, I don't think anyone had them pegged as a team that would be competitive with the top, you know, four teams in the East, and and they were all season. Uh, Nick Nurse, I think, is a fantastic coach, particularly offensively. And you feel confident that he'll put in a system that works. But I don't think we have a realistic shot at him. I think we're going to look closely at, like, first of all, the guys who are kind of floating around, um, Terry Stotts, uh, Kenny Atkinson, you guys who are not head coaches currently who are floating around. I think we're also going to look at, like, the Doc Rivers and the um, Quinn Snyders, like you mentioned, of the world who are maybe on currently coaching on football. Uh, playoff teams and and haven't been let go yet. If they are going to be let go, I I will you know I wasn't super thrilled with the Vogel hiring and that ended up working out. Um, so I guess I I will take the approach of just seeing what happens and and worrying about the consequences later. The one thing I will say is I can't picture rooting for a team coached by Doc Rivers. I've just never been a fan of him as a coach. I feel like, you know, how many times can you make the same mistake over and over and over? Like, we already made the same mistake of bringing in Russ, who everything he touched for the last three years kind of became... Turned whether to it was his fault or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Turned to Russ. Um, and how could we possibly turn around and do the same thing with Doc Rivers now, who for years was the coach of a Clippers team that underperformed? I mean... He kind of helped them in their rise during the beginning of the Lob City years. You could make an argument that a better coach may have won, won them a championship one of those years. Um, he never really got them close, not even to the conference finals. Uh, you know, his entire kind of career is based on that one year where he won the championship with the Celtics with the first year of the big three forming with all three of those Hall of Famers in their prime. So... He's kind of been underwhelming in Philly too. So I, and beyond all of this, he has a reputation for sort of throwing his guys under the bus and also, you know, wanting to be heavily involved in personnel and front office decision types of things, which I don't think would really jive with the way this front office wants mm. to operate. So that's the one guy I am just like holding my breath, praying that this team beats. Uh, praying that Philly beats Toronto in the playoffs so we don't have to hear about this anymore. And, you know, hopefully they, they hold on to Doc for another year. But otherwise, I, I, uh, I'm i sort of indifferent to the other options I've heard floating around. Yeah. I mean, I'm open to anybody as long as they thoroughly vet things. And I just want someone who can... Every coach is going to have their preferences no matter what, right? That's just life. That's just being human. But I want someone who can 
erred more towards being able to adapt and adjust quicker and someone who likes to think outside of the box and isn't so set in a traditionalist sort of way, like the old way, and it can be sort of a bridge between the young guys and also, again, the established guys and gain the respect of the LeBron James and Anthony Davises of the world while also not treating the young guys like they're just rooks and they have to follow a certain you know, archaic system in order to get time, et cetera, et cetera, and and really live by the words, earn your spot, you know, earn your keep, whether you're a Hall of Famer, four-time Hall of Famer, or you're a undrafted rookie out of the G League or something, right? Um, Speaking of which, let's talk about Austin Reeves after the turn. All right, so we're back. Austin Reeves, 30-point triple-double. He had 31 points. 16 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals, one block. Yeah, only three turnovers. He had three threes. I think for a good three quarters, he was like two of 10 from the field and then really turned it on offensively in the fourth quarter in overtime. And he is the fourth rookie in NBA history to have a 30-plus point, 15-plus rebound, 10-plus assist, triple-double, joining Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, and Blake Griffin. He is the only undrafted rookie in NBA history to record a triple-double. That's nuts. It is nuts. Austin Reeves, four games in April, 18 points, 6.8 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 47% from the field, 41% from three. Austin Reeves, when he plays 30-plus minutes a game, or Austin Reeves, when he's played 30-plus minutes this season, of which he has nine games of, he has averaged 14.5 points, 5.2 rebounds, 3.3 assists on only 1.5 turnovers. His shooting splits are 52% from the field, 45% from three, hitting 2.13s a game. Now, it's only nine games, but when he plays 30 minutes, it's clear he can sort of get a rhythm for himself. He's more confident in that three-point shot. He knows he's going to shoot it. Um, So that kind of gives you a sneak preview of just how solid he can be. 14.5, 5.2 rebounds, 3.3 assists, only 1.5 turnovers, hitting two threes a game, like... You can sort of squint down the future and see, oh, yeah, I can see the shapes of a role player replacement level starter sort of guy, you know? Not an all-star, but could he start? Sure, and put up these numbers? It's it's just so solid. So your quick thoughts on Austin Reeves, and I also don't want to downplay, maybe tack on Malik Monk's play after that, because... I also don't want to downplay Malik Monk's career-high 41 points on seven three-pointers. Yeah. Um, that play where Austin Reeves threw him that alley-oop and Malik Monk jammed it down with one hand was insanity. And <laughs> last night, the seeing the Arkansas boys, Monk and Reeves, do their thing, and even some THT too. THT had a really nice transition play where he threw a lob to Monk as well. It just felt like a microcosm of... Everything we were wishing for at the turn of the new year and had to wait to literally these last few games to finally see the full extent of the young core unleashed. And because of the context of this situation, it just happened too late to the point where it didn't matter. And you, it always makes you wonder, um, seeing these guys so frenetic, play up and down, like... They're lobbing it up to each other. It doesn't matter who's lobbing it up to each other. It doesn't matter who's catching the lob, although preferably it's Monk, right? But it's just so fun to watch these young guns play. And in the last two weeks or so, not only have we gotten Malik Monk career-high 41 points, not only have we gotten this Austin Reeves performance of a lifetime career-high in points, rebounds, assists, his first triple-double, but we've also gotten THT career-high 40 points, right? We've gotten Stanley Johnson, season-high 21 points. We've had some pretty nice Wenyan Gabriel games. It's like 
the last two weeks showed you, maybe the last one week showed you a vision of like, if we had done this earlier, we may have made the play in on the backs of these young guys, you know, maybe Anthony Davis and LeBron James don't have to carry the load as much and don't get injured. And ah, man, it's everything we were saying about this team before we knew what was going to happen of the old guys being old and not buying in and the injuries and whatnot of this being a very exciting team that would run up and down and, and, and play frenetically and be so dynamic on offense and we'd feed off of that momentum. It's the young guys who have brought that and we've seen far too little of them. So your quick thoughts on Austin Reeves, Monk, and then just that thought of the young guys, them being a silver lining, but also as we look back on the season, like, damn, what a shame. And also... I think this Austin Reeves thing is like literally the such an indictment on probably why Vogel no longer has a job, yeah. right? Because when it mattered the most, he DNP'd this dude, Tommy. Yeah. And then once he played him in April in the four games, 18 points, 6.8 rebounds, yep. 5.3 assists, 47% from the field, 41% from three. And let me tell you, man, Austin Reeves, just watching him juke out these guys yep. and put on these fancy footwork Literally, HBK, Kobe-type moves where he's planting his foot but still finishing the tough shot. The dude has got stuff in his bag, and he's confident, and he was shooting that three-point shot like he had big balls, which he did. I don't know if you saw my tweet, because I saw the Denver Nuggets um, play-by-play of that Austin Reeves clutch three-point shot, and... They pan to the Nuggets bench right after Austin Reeves makes it 142-137, hitting that clutch three-point shot at the top of the key. And the Denver Nuggets bench is like, who the hell is this kid? They're like in shock at him. So yeah, just close us out on Reeves, Monk, and the young kids in general. So Reeves, I just, you can't say enough good things about him. He played in 61 games this year. I think preseason, I look, in... To give us credit, I think in the first season, or excuse me, the first week of the season, and especially towards the end of the preseason, it became clear to at least us, I think, that this guy clearly was, you know, this is before we knew how horrific the season was going to go. Like, it became sort of clear that this guy deserved minutes. Um, Preseason, you know, before the preseason started going into camp and all this, I don't think anyone would have predicted that this guy would appear in 61 games this year and average 23 minutes a game. I mean, the crazy thing about Austin is he's not doing anything that's that different than what he did in college. Like, his skills from college seem to have, like, directly translated to the NBA. Most notably, his ability to get to the rim and finish through contact. For a rookie, Mm -hmm. he had like an alarming number of and one conversions this year. I I don't have the exact data, you know, but for how many minutes he got and how many shot attempts, it was like pretty surprising that like not only was he able to draw fouls, but, you know, people... People kind of like, I think in the beginning of the season, brushed it off as like, oh, he hit these sort of weird un- or unorthodox shots where like he'll take contact and switch hands in, in midair and, you know, from his left to his right and just fling the ball at the rim and it goes in. And people sort of brush it off as like, ah, you, you know, lucky shot or whatever. But if you watch his highlights, even from college, that's how he was finishing through contact. So he just has like a really, really good feel for the game. Um I think, you know, when guys aren't super explosive off the floor, they get tagged as, like, not being athletic. Or they're not, you know, thought of as being super athletic. But, you know, again, for a rookie 23-year-old who hasn't had, like, this is his first season of real NBA conditioning, I think Austin Reeves is, like, extremely, extremely athletic. For a 6'5 guard to get to the rim 
and beat guys on the perimeter as consistently as he did this season is very, very impressive. Again, I think people kind of viewed him as, you know, plug and play, you know, new, new age Alex Caruso. You know, we, we swapped out old Alex Caruso for a new Alex Caruso. And, and so people just sort of assume that Austin doesn't have it. He's a defensive guy with no offensive skills, but no, he was an offensive minded player in college. If anything, I was more surprised his defense was this good mm-hmm. um, in the NBA. So I, I just, again, I can't say enough good things about him. I, I, it is probably, you know, just one of the biggest signs of why Vogel is going to be let go is, is this, how he handled this whole Austin Reeves situation. I mean, for months and months and months, you know, favoring Avery Bradley and other guys who weren't playing defense and weren't performing. Then you go to Austin and it seems like you have something and he becomes a core part of your rotation for 50 plus percent of the season. And then like in the games where he, you know, everybody takes a stand and it's like, these are the games that, really matter in this whole season. We need to win these few next few games to have a chance. You bench him. Um, that kind of thinking is not going to win a championship. Okay. It's again, not to yeah. say that Vogel's a bad coach and he could do it with the right guys, but you need to, that is not the right way to approach coaching a team like this. Yeah. And, and so anyway, I, you know, but Austin made a, a case for himself. I, I, I'm really excited let me add one more thing. So in the last 11 games, Austin Reeves has, and I, I, I feel like this doesn't get enough pub. Austin Reeves has 41 assists and only nine turnovers in the last yeah. 11 games. This guy doesn't turn the ball over, yeah. dude, and he's crossing people over. He doesn't turn the ball over. He plays very, very, very in control. Um, and yeah, I, I, the things I would like to see him improve on next year, which I'm sure he will, are you know developing a more consistent three-point shot. Although I will say he hit a rookie wall for a significant amount of time um, from three-point range, and he still finished hitting 32%. I think that will dramatically improve next year because he's clearly shown the ability. This isn't like a situation with THT where he's just not a shooter and we or have even to Caruso. years and years. Yeah, exactly. I remember when Caruso, Caruso hit like 52% from three his like rookie season, and you're like, ugh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not like one of those situations where the mechanics look off and it's, you know, you, you, it's going to take years to kind of fix it. It He's got the mechanics, so he just needs more reps and more confidence. And I am positive he will continue to develop into a very effective three-point shooter. And, you know, stamina and endurance training is going to be the other big thing for him because he was getting pretty gassed, you know, when he would have to play. But that's like every rookie, right? So... I really hope we don't trade this dude. I mean, looking across the board at, like, our young guys that we're going to either bring back or hope to bring back in the case of Malik Monk, like, Austin is the one that stands out to me as we cannot continue to make these same mistakes with, like, developing these young guys who we found as sort of diamond in the roughs. I mean, undrafted rookie in the case of Austin, and then just, like kind of let them go to get ourselves out of other mistakes. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I would just say emotionally prepare yourself for it though. Until they show I mean, us I'm, otherwise, just be prepared yeah. that Austin Reeves is the sweetener that gets a Russell Westbrook deal through. So. It, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I just have to think it's like this dude was outperforming veterans on our team. Like 
you know, it was impressive from the moment the season started and carried that out throughout the whole season. So yeah. I, I hope that does something for him long term, and I think it will. Um, he has it going in his favor that I was just going to say he has it going in his favor that he's guaranteed for a minimum next year's and after which we'll have his early bird right. So valuable for a team like they us. should have given him a, a three year deal. But you know what? They should have. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so close this out with a minute left, just talking about the. Fl- Again, the flashes that we've seen from these young guys who you just give them time, and I know it's against lesser opponents, all those caveats, but it's like, dude, we had this all along. Uh, We just didn't invest in them enough, but we have something to look forward to in the future. And please, can we just have these guys on the team next year? So Wenyan, Stanley, THT, Malik, Austin... That's five guys, okay? It's like when this season started, you look down the board and THT was the only young guy that we thought was going to get minutes, right? And and it's just crazy to me that we did have these guys for such significant chunks of the season. You can say it's against lesser opponents or what, but this is the same team with these veterans who, who lost, you know, twice to OKC mm-hmm. blowing 60 points of leads over two games. Um you know, lost to Houston, um, lost to the Spurs three times. Uh, did we get swept by the Pelicans or we maybe we'll beat them once? Like, I, I mean, you know, in the team's rank 10 to 15, lost to the Pistons at home. You know, like in the team's rank, like should have lost at Detroit actually too. But you look at the team's rank 10 to 15 in both conferences we played horrifically against them, like like below average. I'm pretty sure we were below 500 even against those teams. So... You know, we can say like, oh, it wasn't like the the most intense opponents, but these guys showed what we have sort of been saying all year. Like, you have LeBron, who's an aging superstar. You have AD, who was hobbled, but you know, playing. And what do you need? You even have Russ, who is a veteran. What do you need around these guys? Is some guys who can bring some energy. You don't need more veterans to pass the ball to be just because they know these guys and they're friends with them. And they think that, Oh, we're best friends and we'll play well together. It, you know, you need other guys to sort of do the dirty work. And the problem this team had all season was nobody was willing to hustle and do the dirty work. And we've seen it in other teams too. I mean, like other teams that objectively had worse rosters than us ended the season with the same or better records than us because they played the game the right way. I mean, you know, we this team is going to fall back on the injury excuse all offseason until we have a new roster and we look forward to next year. And even next year, they'll kick it off by saying, well, last year was injuries. But you look across the board, I mean, Dallas, they didn't have Luka for 20 games. Chris Stapps never played. They were missing Tim Hardaway Jr. for half the season. They won 52 games. You know what I mean? The Clippers didn't have Paul George for most of the year. They didn't have Kawhi for any of the year. They were missing Marcus Morris, uh, and other guys for significant chunks, 142 games. I mean, consistently across the board, there were teams winning games in spite of injuries. And yeah, this team wasn't going to be a contender without a healthy AD. That's not the question. The question is, should they have won more than 33 games? And I think that is clear that when you have Mm -hmm. LeBron playing 60, you should win more than 33 games. When LeBron is appearing in 60 games... You know, and and maybe I'm rounding up because I assume he would have played in a couple more if if they were meaningful, right? But if he's playing in 60 games, you need to win more than 33. 80 played in half. You know, again, you need to win more than 33 in that scenario. It's a significant drop from last year, and it's just like looks awful compared to what other teams in similar situations did. And it is like a you know it, the last couple of games to me, if anything, showed 
how much of a failure it was at the coaching rotation level um, that we weren't able to squeak out a few more of the, you know, we didn't lose out of, we didn't miss the playoffs by 10 games. We missed it by a few at the end there, you know, and, and had we been, you know, squeaking out wins early in the season against OKC, against Houston, against the Spurs, we probably would have made the playoffs this year. Yeah, the future is with the youth. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you, Frank Vogel. You are forever enshrined in part of Lakers legacy. You got us number 17. And for that, we'll forever be grateful. And on to the future we look to, on to the future we go with a new head coach and hopefully with some young, fresh blood. And yeah, buckle up. It's going to be a hell of an offseason. And we'll have some future podcasts talking about how to offload Russell Westbrook, who we want to keep, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so stay tuned. With that said, Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. Laters. Thank you.